Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 6.30 Chad. 1.33 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott and Cam Moon alongside today. Royal Pizza is pizza pasta so much more. They are Edmonton owned and operated for over 50 years. They have 15 Edmonton area locations, four in Calgary, one in Red Deer. I think they're branching out to Saskatchewan as well. Uh, oh. Bottom line is you can go online to royalpizza.ca, figure out where those locations are, or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. Royal Pizza is still making it great. Final half hour of the show today. Great stories from Pete Vandermeer. So that sets a pretty high bar for our next guest. But I'm told, I'm told he is more than capable of meeting it. And I'm also told that there's an awesome story behind he, uh, how he and um, Cam Moon actually met one another. So with that, we'll bring aboard uh, former NHLer. He does a little work with the Calgary Flames organization. Brent Cron joining us on the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Brent, you're on with Brendan and Cam. How's it going today? You didn't tell me that you had Vandy on before me. Uh, you know, he, uh, you know, the, the problem with that is, is, is I didn't listen to the program before this, but every time that uh, he precedes me, he, he, I, I do get seward, I do get, I do get shredded, and and you know he, he he's awesome in his own right. I, I love the guy to pieces. I played against his little, little brother Jimmy uh, when he was in the with the with the Rebels back in the late '90s, early 2000s. But uh, but but Pete Vandermeer, I golf him every once in a while. That the man uh, hasn't changed a day, and uh, he, you know I, I'm as you've seen me, Mueller. I'm, yes. I'm not a small guy, but uh, I, I would be terrified to run into Pete in the alley. Uh, he, may, he may just beat the wheels off me if I said the, said one thing uh, incorrect. He is one tough customer, isn't he? Oh man, he's awesome. You know he, he he's so good, and and he's old school. And that whole family is uh, it, it, it is royalty to you. You know, you talk about the Sutter family in in Alberta. That that Vandermeer family too. It was for the ones that know. Um, you know, there's their 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 stories. Uh, their the way they were brought up, how they played the game, uh, the people they are now. Um, if you just get a chance to to to, to sit with one of them. 
it's a it's a treat. I would encourage anybody that can that runs into one to uh, to, to make it last as long as possible because uh, the stories don't end with those guys. We've got people texting us here, uh, Brent, saying like, "My goal is now to meet Pete Vandermeer and hoist a beer and hear those stories firsthand." <laughs> yeah. That's from you Hank. Know, you know what? Him and his dad jeans, they're, they're about two inches above his ankle, golfers. And, you know, it, it, you know it, it, he doesn't get a lot of style points, but uh, but you wouldn't want to tell him that to his face. I'm a tough guy right now, so I can't imagine he's got a radio in his vehicle. He can't listen to this. But uh, uh, he's uh, that man. I, I love him to death. You, you should have had me on tomorrow. Now I'm just going to I'm going to sink the ship here now Not at all Not at all But I need need to hear this story out of the gate Cam says the way that you two met is worth sharing on the air (laughs) Well you know So I I was a walking band-aid when I played junior And my knees were were, were so bad I think I had my first knee surgery and, uh, And I was sitting out for the first time in my life And uh, And and I'm You know there were hot dogs in the centrium are delicious. You know, people talk about, you know, if, if you're lucky enough to play in the National Hockey League full-time, you know, the, the old Montreal Forum hot dogs, you know, they're worth sitting out for, uh, you know, and, and, and you know, that, that, that's that's pretty high-level stuff. But for me, being in the Western League, you know, the Red Deer Centrum hot dogs, they were, they were, they were it for me. And so I, I remember I had my, uh, I had my meniscus, I don't know, repaired something i was 18 years old or sorry 17 i can't remember after my first season anyway so i'm i'm i i i'm recovered we're on the bus we go up to red deer i'm not playing the night obviously i'm in crutches but the first thing i had to do was uh get there and get a hot dog and i'm trying to make my way up to uh to the press box the old century and i got you know the crutches in my armpit I got a hot dog in my left hand and my, you know, there's two crutches. And I got my right hand and my other crutch. And I can't quite get up the stairs and maintain the balance of the hot dog uh, while not, uh, you know, getting ketchup or mustard on my suit. So I'm sitting there standing basically at the base of the second second level trying to figure out how exactly I'm going to execute this plan without getting mustard or ketchup on my shirt, without not tripping over myself, without not breaking my leg even more so I can't play the rest of the year. And uh, in walks this... Uh, you know, sharp, uh, sharp-dressed uh, bald guy about behind me. He goes, hey, Croner. I'm like, hello there. How are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm great. He goes, uh, you have a little trouble getting upstairs. I'm like, well, it's like, you know, have you ever seen The Simpsons where, you know, they're going to have to cut Homer's arm off because he had uh, he had his arm up the, the, the pot machine. But That's right. Like, it's because he was holding on to it. That's the only reason why he was up there. And, and you know, yeah, Mooner solved that problem for me real quick. He's just like, hey, well, let me hold that hot dog for you. I'll bring it up to the press box, and you can meet me up there, and you can eat it yourself. And I was like, wow. You know, have you ever, there's ever a definition of a team guy. You know, I'm obviously in enemy, enemy territory, and I was treated like royalty. And I was like, my God, this guy is salt of the earth. You know, if I could just get to know him a bit more, what else could he do for me, essentially? And it, and it was the, the start of a, uh, a beautiful friendship, wouldn't you say? I would say so, yeah. Well, I had to help <laughs> you out. You were a train wreck trying to get up, the, and the stairs are steep. And I just yeah. saw nothing but uh, potential disaster for you. And and I didn't want I didn't want that to happen. So well, well, you know, and, and you know, like I, uh, you know, I'm a small town uh, Manitoba kid from from uh, Winkler. Uh, not sure many people know where that is. And and long story short, I had I had signed a an, an upper deck hockey card deal for twenty five hundred dollars. And the first thing I did was uh, go and buy myself a metallic gray suit and I'd never owned a suit in my life before it was a uh, I had a Marvin the Martian tie when I played junior that was it <laughs> right and, uh, and, and I had uh, uh, pants with pleats in them and a uh, and a zipper 
uh, and it wasn't even a collared shirt. It was more like a uh, dress shirt, but it had a metal zipper with like a cloth collar, and I would put a tie on that. So I bought my first suit, and I'm like, I'm not getting ketchup or mustard on this bad boy. This is the this is the real deal here. And you know, you you bailed me out of an embarrassing situation. You're you're a top notch guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Cam Moon and Brent Cron sharing memories here on uh, Oilers now. So, Brent, what keeps you busy these days? Are you um, officially with the Flames in any capacity? I saw you were doing some uh, color work with the Wranglers. Yeah, you know what? I, I'm in absolutely zero capacity with the Flames. They call me uh, for 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 a tad bit of entertainment. Um, you know, I, I I do I I do enjoy it. Like I said, I I was I, I was drafted by the Flames. I played for the Hitman. I've been in Calgary since I was 17. I love the organization. They were great to me. They uh, they, uh, they 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 keep me around. Uh, but uh, but since I've been I, I'm 41 now. I was done when I was playing hockey when I was 28, and I've been working at a company called Precision Drilling for for the last 11 years. And uh, I actually ended up working rigs for a tad bit too, which has uh, taught me a lot, a lot of fun. And uh, and then uh, I get to dabble on the radio here uh, uh, in Calgary to talk Flames and talk whatever else. And and the Wranglers have uh, you know I. Career minor league guys, you guys know. Mooner knows it specifically. Nine years in the minors. I got a cup of coffee in the NHL. Got a taste of opening the door for the likes of uh, Drew McGinley and and uh, you know Robin Regeer and and the like. Uh, you know, and there was a guy named Kippersoff that came by that basically buried me, and I had zero chance to make the Flames once he came along. But he was okay. He was okay. Yeah, he, he was, was all right. Okay too. Yeah, I know he wasn't bad. You know, and I, I couldn't even be mad. I, I tried to, but I I, I couldn't <laughs> I, I I couldn't be mad. And every every uh, start of Flames camp, um, when Daryl was around too, he was like, you know, you're you're going to the minors this year, right? And I'm like, no, no, I'm. You don't have to tell me that. I'm 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 very well aware, of it, right? <laughs> so so no, it, you know, it, it, it's all worked out in the end, and uh, the Flames obviously very gracious to be down here, and we were. Uh, up in uh, Red Deer there for the Battle of Alberta Golf Tournament, which was a, quite a riot, and I got to meet Stuart Skinner, who uh, I uh, I liked at the start of the season as a goaltender, obviously, um, and then got to meet him as a person and uh, basically doubled down on on everything that I thought about him. He's he's got a fan for life in me. What, what that means, probably nothing, but uh, I, I got a ton of time for that guy. He was a he was a treat to meet. He's a, he's an awesome goalie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, great goaltender, even better person. Uh, when you look back at you know, your time playing pro hockey and, and, and you know, you, you see a lot of stuff. And, and we had just talked with Pete about some of the, you know, the things that would happen in, in minor pro. Like, you must have some, when you think back, some amazing memories that, uh, that are going to stick with you forever. You know, and, and for me, it's like I, I, I never – wanted to rock the boat i was i mean you know, first of all i was a goalie so i just mind my own business uh for the most part everybody thought i was weird uh and that was just kind of the way thing, thing, things went but you know one of the the the, the i think it was i think it was 2006 i was playing in omaha and ryan mcgill was the head coach of the omaha axarban knights flames farm farm team and you know in junior as you know mooner you you, you you're, the coach has kind of all the power and, and you kind of got a bend and, and and work with it as as you see fit and you learn that at a young age that just kind of you go with the flow if, if your coach is a jerk or you don't believe it whatever you just got you got to look out for yourself and 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 i was blessed with with, with two good coaches and juniors that that wasn't the case uh but you know with, with ryan mcgill he was an awesome coach but he was demanding and, and he was from the the, the 
you know, he played for Daryl Sutter before, I believe. He was in the system in, 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 in the way he coached under Daryl as well. And we locked him out of the dressing room. And when I say we, I say we now. But at that time, I, I would blame two people that locked him out of the dressing room. And I would, I would, I would have sold them down the river for my career. But we were in Chicago yeah, playing against the Wolves in the American Hockey League. And we were getting smoked. It was 7-1. Me and Curtis McElhinney were the goalies. And, you know, our team, if we didn't beat you 2-1, we lost 9 nothing. Like, that was, we had a hard-working team, but we weren't, we weren't blowing the doors off yet. There was an off night for everybody. We were down 7-2 or 7-5, whatever, going to the third period. Ended up losing, like, 9-1, or something like that. And, and uh, our, our captain, Steve Bancroft, at the time was like, we're having a tough time. He goes, the, the solutions are coming in this room. They're not coming from the coaching staff. And you could hear Gilly yelling, uh, uh, in the hallway, and as he was coming in, Steve locks the door, and I'm sitting. And I'm. This is my second year in America. I'm like, I've never seen anything like this before. I don't want. To, I, I'm. Just, I'm basically soiling myself, my stall. Because like, how oh, is this? This is going to come back to be my fault somehow. In my mind, I'm like, I can't help myself. <laughs> and I'm falling apart. And I don't know if you have ever been to the rink in, in the Allstate Arena in Chicago, and and and, and we're in the room, kind of. Going, yelling at each other, being accountable, like, "Hey, you, you know, we got to do this together." Blah, blah blah. And you could hear uh, Ryan McGill outside, just you know, screaming at us, telling us how great of uh, individuals we were and how hard we worked and what an amazing team we are. And he just wanted more out of us. And, and uh, obviously, that's sarcasm. And so he <laughs> yeah. the door in, and uh, and nothing's happening. You can see the screws, kind of, you know, you, it's like almost like a, like we were in like an old dusty room, and you could see that the, the dust coming out by the door. So he's kicking it. He's, so he resorted basically. He couldn't break in because it was steel. He, he resorted to uh, breaking all the sticks in the in the in the. Uh, in the hallway. Oh, wow. And, and you can't break all of them across your thigh because eventually your thigh is going to give out. And so as we uh, as we were finishing our team meeting and getting out for the shower, as he walked into the bus, old uh, old Gilly was, was, was limping back to the bus. And uh, you know, nobody laughed. Nobody nobody made eye contact, put her head down. We got smoked. So nobody could be uh, witty. And, uh, you know, but in the back of the bus, they're all like, oh, my God, how many sticks did he actually break? And, uh, you know, we, we never got a full count. But uh, he was he was he was hobbling around for a couple of days for sure. Oh wow, <laughs> that's a great story. A big bruise <laughs> on the thigh. <laughs> oh man, and you know, and, and and he was one of those guys too, where it's like you know, you play pro hockey, it's you got to have a spine, you got to be able to stand up for yourself, but you got to be in a position to stand up for yourself, right? And there's you know, if if you can back it up, then go to bat, and that's all they were looking for is guys to step up and take accountability and and whatever and you know ryan was one of my best coaches i ever had in my life but it took me a little while to realize that and uh and 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 when you're young and you just want to make everybody happy and smile and oh it, it you know that that stuff changes once you get to pro and you make it to the next level it's all about results and and uh, i tell you what uh, we still laugh about it to this day uh and uh he, he he's one of my favorites for sure yeah, from Shored Park, uh, Ryan McGill is at long, a long coaching history in the WHL, minor pro, and the NHL. Uh, yeah, he's but he's uh, he's a good character too, and he's got very oh, good stories. He's got unre- unbelievable, and he's got a little humility to him, and yeah. and and, uh, and nothing's too serious. But you have to get to know him first before he's not too serious, right? Cause, That's right. Because because he, I'll, I'll never forget. I got. Uh, I, you know, at the, at the end of my first first season with him, uh, starting the following year, uh, you know, he he just he pulled me halfway through my first year with him. He, he kind of called me to the office and said, "Listen, like you're better than this. You're playing like garbage. Um, 
you need to figure this out. If you don't figure it out, we're not making the playoffs here. And, uh, like, what do you need type thing? And he was there. And anyway, I, I, I couldn't figure it out on my own. So he told me, he pulled me into the office at the end of January, I think, beginning of February. He's like, you are playing every single game until you figure it out, just so you know. And I think I played 19 to 21 games. I'd never done that in my life straight. And it, it, it helped me get over the the, the the mental barrier that I had of like, well, maybe I need a break. Maybe I need a rest. Maybe it's not. And he just power through, power through, power through, power through. And uh, and he was the one that kind of helped me not fight myself so much. And then at the start of the second season with him, I went into his office and him and I started at the beginning of the year. And I was like, listen, you know, Gilly, I'm, I'm harder on myself than you are. And I, and I don't, you know, need you screaming and yelling at me. And it, it was a very civil very mature conversation and all he told me was he says, you know what hey it's about time you grew a sack essentially and <laughs> he's, just, he's just like hey like you know what welcome to the club you're a man like you got to stand up for yourself you got to fight for yourself you got to work hard and i had my worst year i think in the american hockey like my second year because i stood up for myself because i was so you know pot, chest puffed out like nobody can tell me what to do type thing and he pulled me so many times and and uh and i remember getting pulled one night and came and sat on the bench and he's just like hey it wasn't your night tonight hey i'm like no it wasn't and that was all it was right but it's just like you, you and it, it helped me obviously advance throughout my career it's just be confident in yourself fight for yourself and you know when you're struggling you know when you're not and if people are yelling at you it doesn't doesn't matter you you know your goalie never forgets how to stop a puck you lose your confidence here or there you got to find ways to get it back and it's up to you to be accountable to to, to who you want to be but you know at, at the end of the day it's up to you so figure it out and he was he was awesome for that I, I, I give him so much credit got Brent Cron on or Brett Cron no Brent Cron yes. what am I looking at here good grief uh, Brett, Brett Hall, Brett yeah. Hall. Uh, quite the opposite of Brett Hall I would suggest <laughs> actually this is kind of where I want to go though you had, you had such pedigree Brent in your draft year second goalie off the board of course and in 2000 Rick DiPietro goes uh, goes first overall but uh, ninth in, in that selection and I wonder what the process for you as your career went on you know as, as such a highly touted player that ultimately factored into just one NHL game. What was it like sort of coming to terms with this as your career progressed? Well, what we all, well, you know, and you're being very kind to me because, you know, Rick did go number one, but there's a, there's a, you know, a, a, another fellow that went against a goaltender to the Rangers, I believe, in the eighth round. Uh, you, you guys may not know his name. It was, you know, Henrik Lundqvist. I'm not sure if you guys have heard of him before, but, uh, you know, he got drafted light years behind me and, uh, and, and somehow carved out an amazing career for himself. Um, <laughs> having said that, uh, you know, for me, you know, hindsight being 2020, um, obviously it was a great privilege to be drafted that high. I had no clue. I had zero clue. I, I came into that, my first uh, um, uh, junior season, I think the fourth goalie on the depth chart for the Calgary Hitman. They had Alexander Fomachev. Fomachev. They had just gone to the Memorial Cup final. I think they lost the Ottawa 67th the year prior. They had Brent Williams. They had Sean Connors. They had Donald Chikalas. I remember these names because I was told that I would start the, that season and you know, they would place me in the uh, AJHL or, or, or another Junior A League just so I could play some games until I sorted things out. Uh, turned out after the first uh, two or three weeks of the season, it was me and Sean Connors as the goaltenders. They traded Fomachev to, to Seattle uh, Brent Williams was uh, around two. He was he had moved on, and they traded Chikalis, Donald Chikalis, to Regina. So basically, from the start of that season till I'll never forget the uh, prospects game, the Cherry versus Orr game in February. 
Uh, I was playing. I had no clue. I, I didn't even know I was on the radar. I, I you know, I'd read the hockey news uh, when it would come in in the whatever the monthly subscription or whatever it was, and and really hadn't had no clue where I was going. I was playing on a dynamite team with the Hitman. We had Pavel Brendel. We had Chris Beach, Fat Kinch, Brad Moran. Uh, the list of of, of, of high end guys at that time was was crazy. I finished a season thirty three and six, and when I say I, I mean the team because I just needed to make that last save we could win game seven six as long as i made a a, a save at the end or we blow teams out of the water it was it was remarkable i never played on a team like it and basically within the nine months i went from uh from not being on anybody's radar to being a first round pick and i i honestly couldn't believe it and, and when when that all transpired i remember i had all my family and friends up from from manitoba during the draft and Everybody was laying the, the groundwork and the, the path for me to the National Hockey League in the owner's suite saying, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and this is where you're going to be at this point. And as we all know, you, nobody's got a crystal ball. And they, they, you know, there's a plan in place, but it's not usually followed. Um, I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself. I wish I was a bit more aloof, a bit more absent-minded. Uh, if I would go back in time, I'd still be the same guy. There's nothing I would change. I'd like to be a lot more relaxed with it. But being in Calgary as a hitman, being drafted by the Flames, um, you know, there was just a certain responsibility I felt that I needed to be better than I was. My second year with junior, I wasn't that great. I We had a good team. I was injured a lot. Third year, I was garbage. Fourth year, I played my overage year. I was I was a tire fire. And then I ended up uh, in Seattle with a fresh start, new faces. And that was really good for me. And then I end up in the uh, you know American Hockey. Starting the next year, they had Roman Turk as a, as, a, as the starting goaltender. Um, and the funny part was, is, is I think Turk's got a concussion, and uh, they got Jamie McLennan who's backing up. And you, know, you guys obviously, Jamie McLennan's obviously legendary in his own right, being up from your way. And I've spent some time around him, and there's very few guys uh, that have such a, a standing with, with, with people in, in the game of hockey and just in general, of a good, how good of a person he is. And I remember we were playing the Oilers one night and I'm backing up cause Turek is injured and Daryl Sutter's the head coach. And, uh, Jamie come, it, Jamie's got a cracked sternum. Noodles has got a cracked sternum, got a broken chest. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is my chance. You know, Noodles' body's going to break in half, and this is going to be my time to to shine. And I remember in warm-up, Noodles took like two or three shots. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I just don't feel good. And he's like, be ready to go. I'm like, I'm ready. Like, let's go. And you know, and and he played the whole game, and 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 the Flames won one nothing. I believe I believe it was against the Oilers. My my memory's kind of rusty these days, but and I'm sitting here, and after the game, I'm sitting in my in my mind, I'm thinking, you know what, okay. Daryl Sutter, the head coach of the Calgary Flames, is choosing a goaltender, Noodles, with a broken chest over this up-and-coming young man that's just 100% healthy and vibrant and ready to go. And we're choosing half a man to, to, to play over a whatever, me. And it turns out it was the right call. They won one nothing, And, you know, I got sent back to the minors the next day. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, it was just, uh, <laughs> I, I chuckled. I got roasted quite a bit for it, too, on the way back down. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but having said that, for me, it was just, you know, like, I, I played against guys, Cam Ward, you know, obviously. Uh, I think Sherwood Park guy played in Red yep. Deer. I played with him in the lockout year 2005. Tremendous talent. Guys like Pekka Rene, uh, I played against him, Corey Crawford. My career path never went that way. And it took me it, 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 it took me uh, 
a long time to to to, to let that go. It was hard. I I, uh, I always thought I should have been further ahead than what I was, and I had to sit behind, and and, and that's the way it unfolded for me. And I and I needed to be mentally stronger. I needed to fight through a bit more. And, and I didn't, and, I, and I, I honestly, I felt sorry for myself for a while, and my play suffered. I wanted to be more, and I remember Ronnie Webster. I mean, we all know Ron Webster. He came down you know, when he was with the Flames and sat with the, on the bench with me in the American League, and he's like, you know, Croner, what, what are you going to do to get you to the next level? And, you know, me being, once again, sarcastic, I said, well, we need to get rid of this Kippersoft guy just so I, <laughs> just, just, just so I can get in there and get a chance, yeah. maybe, right? And he looked at me, and he didn't laugh. He didn't find that very funny. And I was obviously joking, but I'm like, Webby, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I, you know, I, I, I was always one of those guys that uh, um, always felt lucky to be where I was, and I wish I had the, the confidence to be like, you know, I belong here, and I never felt like I belonged, and that's and that's not me playing a small violin. For me, it was always just, <laughs> for always it was me. I, as a kid, all I wanted to do was, you know, let me play one game in the Manitoba Triple A Midget Hockey League, and I got one, and I was like, wow, this is great. Let me get one game in the Western Hockey League. And I got one game because I grew up watching the Brandon Weekings. So I'm like, this is awesome. And then it was like, let me play one game in the American Hockey League. And I did that. And then it's like, let me play one game in the NHL. And that's all I got. And, I, and in my mind, I should have been, let me play a thousand games, <laughs> you know, in the National Hockey mm-hmm. League. But that's just the way it went for me. And I, I'm grateful for every bit of it. I, I'm, I'm in a very good position, but I, I put a tremendous amount of pressure on myself. And, and obviously being older now, it's, uh, I could have uh, taken my foot off the gas pedal a little bit to give myself a break, but I didn't. Well, you're a Hall of Famer in my mind, Croner. Really appreciate the time today, Brent. Thank you so much. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Brent Cron. Ah, Great story time. We are right up against the clock. This day in Oilers history, we go back to 2010 for our friends at New West Travel. Remember, they've got that four-night Nashville road trip. Fly nonstop with Flair Airlines. and watch the Oilers and the Predators this October. In 2010, huh, this fits. After back-to-back 40-plus seasons, Sam Gagne signs a two-year, $4.55 million contract extension with Edmonton. Will he earn his third contract? I guess we'll find out after training camp. Brendan Escott, Cam Moon, thanks for everybody who contributed here we've got rob breakenridge and ted henley coming up but not before christina drapeau brings you the news headlines so long